I'm so happy to introduce you guys to my, he's now become a friend, Forrest Wiederman, VP of Dental Financing with Bank of America, my personal finance guy. You guys, uh, Forrest swooped in at the 11th hour. I was about to get to go with another bank. And he was like, no, you don't, you're not going to go with anyone besides me. And um, he has been amazing and has held my hand throughout the entire process. So because he's so amazing, I wanted to introduce him to the group. Um, and if you're, if you're on, can you say hi? I'm basically, if you see my eyes moving, is because I am checking to make sure that we are actually live. Um, hi, Forrest. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. I've uh, been looking forward to being on here for quite some time now. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on Thursday. I said Thursday last night because the days of the week are just blurred together. It is actually Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens when you're on a, a holiday week, the week before a holiday weekend. All the all the days just end up blending together, right? <laughs> all the days. Oh my gosh. So I um, I wanted to I wanted to give some backstory as to why I left my current bank um, and how I ended up financing our next project. Uh, so the reasons why I left my current bank is when, you know, the world shut down and everybody was basically scrambling to figure out PPP, all of these different, like, do we lay off our employees? Do we not? Like everybody was scrambling. Obviously it's like, we all went through something that we've never gone through before. And the bank that I was with, they completely left me high and dry for PPP. And I basically had to seek out other online um, banks, other smaller banks. And I ended up going with, um, I forget the bank, but it, it just felt like I had so much invested with my original bank. I had my, my startup loans and I, I also purchased my first location, the building. So I mean, they obviously, they had a lot of, a lot of my money. So, um, and to, to just not be there when I needed them, when the world was literally shutting down, it was, it was a big wake up call. So I, when I found this building, I talked to my husband about, are we even able to do this? Like, is this crazy to do a second startup? Within five years, I mean, our first location did really well. Um, like, why rock the boat? We just got out of quarantine. We just, you know, like, we're still in this pandemic. Like, what is this? Will a bank even give us more money? And, um, and then I was introduced to Forrest from my contractor, my amazing contractor. And I, I already told Dave, I said, Dave, I, I think I'm good with this other bank, this other smaller bank. And the reason why I went with the smaller bank is because I wanted that high touch, that personalized experience that I didn't have in the first place. And, um, and I was very dead set on them, even though they, they had not as great of terms. I was looking for that more concierge type of a feel. And I met with Forrest, literally Forrest, the night before we were about to sign. Um, and basically Forrest is a smart dude and he took me to happy hour and I was like, done. I remember, yeah, you and your husband went up and it was amazing. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm, I'm fortunate on my, even on my end, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to get connected to you and it's just been an absolute pleasure working with you. And I mean, to be honest, I might have to move up to the Sacramento area after this new practice is done because when we did that walkthrough and I've seen some of the renderings, it's going to be amazing. Oh, well, thank you. And yes, you absolutely need to move up. I mean, the Bay Area is crazy. You really should just move over, yeah. even though this area is becoming crazy too. I know. <laughs> it's growing. Like everybody's moving from the Bay Area. It's crazy. It, it really, I mean, it's the truth. 
Um, all right, Forrest. So for those of you who don't know who Forrest is, Forrest, will you give everyone like a quick um, backstory of who you are and what you do and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I have been doing this and I've been with Bank of America Practice Solutions for about four and a half years now. Um, and if you're not familiar with Bank of America Practice Solutions, we're the boutique division within Big Bank of America that only works with healthcare professionals. So we've got about 400 associates that are all dedicated to the healthcare profession uh, just to help make sure that we meet their financial goals. And of those 400 or so, there's 45 that are dental specific reps across the country. So the way that we have it set up um, in every market is there's two individuals per market. So there's someone like myself <clears throat> who all I do are project loans. So for example, if you're a first time doctor wanting to start up your first practice from scratch, or if you're an existing doctor and you want to remodel, relocate, expand, do anything project-wise, I say anything with a hammer, um, or buy real estate and relocate. Um, so that's what I do. And then I have a counterpart. His name in this market is CJ Williams, who only does practice acquisitions. So we're that specific in every single market that we have people that are specific to a certain product, right? So the importance of that, in my opinion, is having that local presence because my day every single day is I am reaching out and connecting and networking with all of the dental specific resources, right? You've got to your point, Dave, you've got the dental contractors, you've got the dental architects, equipment specialists, CPAs, attorneys, real estate brokers. So those are the people that I meet with every single day that are all dental specific. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later down the road as to the importance of making sure that whoever you're working with has experience working with dentists. Um, and then on top of that, just a little bit more about us nationally. So we've received the Dental Town Top Recognition Award for the last eight years for practice financing. And on top of that, we've partnered with 30 plus national state national and state associations, um, such as we're the preferred lender for CDA, um, the Hispanic Dental Association, the National Dental Association, and then um, another big one is the American Association for Women Dentists. Awesome. Well, congrats on all those awards. Um, let's, let's talk about COVID. And um, I know... I mean, let, let's just say, let, let, what did Bank of America do for your clients? Yeah, so <laughs> COVID is, is, it was definitely an experience. And let's just say April 2020 was tough. And we were the first bank, we were the first big bank to raise our hand and say, all right, we're going to take on the PPP loans. So we literally shut down, we stopped lending, um, and 10,000 employees across all of Bank of America were working 24-7 to make sure that we were taking care of our clients. And um, an amazing stat, as of November 2020, 345,000 of our clients got approved for a PPP loan. And of those 345,000, we delivered over 26 billion dollars of PPP to our clients, which the average loan amount size was about $75,000. And to take it even a step even further, when it comes to dental, 82% of those companies were 10 or fewer employees. So the majority of dental practices are under that 10% uh, or 10, excuse me, 10 employee uh, number. And I mean, we know that this was probably above and beyond the most stressful time in our doctor's careers. So with that in mind, on top of that, for our division, we had everybody hands on deck within our within practice solutions, meaning we called every single client that we had on our books and we asked, how can we help? We asked them a bunch of questions about, do you have your PPE? How, what other ways can we assist with getting other companies involved to help make sure that you stay afloat during this, during the shutdown. And on top of that, we offered three to six month deferments to all of our clients when we shut down and we didn't charge interest on those either. So 
it was it was a very stressful time for everybody. Um, but we were very, very impressed as to how many of our clients bounce back and actually are absolutely crushing it right now. So that's just really, it really just shows how strong the dental industry is and how successful dentists are. And that's why we've been doing it for 25 years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to, to have Bank of America. You guys bought out my, my existing loans and you are financing my next project. So do you want to talk just quickly about how, uh, like the difficulty or not difficulty of doing a second startup within a five year span? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So what I would say to that is I tell people the first startup loan you get is going to be the easiest one you get, right? Because you, all we do is look at projections for a startup. So the next loan, when you're trying to do a second location or you're trying to build a, or buy a building and relocate your practice, um, I tell people that you need to show me why I should give you another loan. And what I mean by that is I need to see that you have grown your current practice to the point where you can support an additional loan payment for whether it's a second practice or if you're buying a building and having to build everything out. So that's where the second loan is really dependent on the success of your first practice. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me more money. I appreciate yeah. that. All you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys um, please hop on and ask your questions? I know, I mean, this group is obviously for startups. So if you are curious as to, you know, taking this leap of faith with all of your student loans, with um, the pandemic, like, please ask your questions. That's why Forrest is, is here. So uh, thank you, Forrest, for doing this. Let's talk about the associate's career post-graduation. Like, let's talk about um, the different paths that we take as as doctors after we graduate and the pros and cons and and what you're seeing is a trend and what maybe um you would recommend for for us starting out yeah, yeah no for sure so before i jump into that i'm just more curious on your end so when you were getting towards graduation like at what point did you realize i want to get out and work hard and be able to go start my own practice and what kind of like motivated you to do that? So I always knew that I wanted to do a residency. And um, I just, I, I felt strong clinically, but I knew that there was, I mean, I'm basically never trying to work in the real world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, <laughs> if, I, if I wanted to practice in a lot of the eastern states, at the time we didn't know where we were going to land, you needed, at least in New York, you needed to do a residency. So I did a residency. I ended up moving to Philadelphia, which is where Brian, my husband, was finishing medical school. My story is a little different because I am two years ahead of Brian. Uh, I joke that I'm a cougar. Uh, I'm not really two years ahead, um, but I basically had to follow him. So I moved to Philly because he was finishing medical school. And then, and then I, we went back to California because he got into residency at UC Davis and then fellowship at UCLA. So I, like a lot of, um, doting supportive wives followed their husbands around. I'm trying to, I, I think Brian's watching. See, I do all the right things, Brian. Um, so I, if I had it my way though, I hated associating. I hated it, but because we didn't know where we were going to plant roots, see, it's all Brian's fault. We didn't know where we were going to land. So I couldn't, I didn't want to jump into ownership and then decide like, oh my gosh, we have to pick up and move again. So we ended up moving a bunch of times throughout the first um, few years. Uh, I associated until 2017. So I graduated in 2009. 
and then did a residency until 2010. And I associated until 2017. So for seven years, basically in different states. So I, I worked in a gamut, like it, the Medicaid mill, the, um, the, the, the fee-for-service practice that could barely keep their lights on, but super loyal patients. Um, and then like just a full spectrum. So by the time that we decided like, hey, we're going to move back home next to family, I knew exactly what I wanted in my own office. So, so I think, um, but ownership was always at the forefront. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, definitely not the typical associate to open story. <laughs> um, so typically you've got about three options when you come out of school. So number one is to continue to associate at a private practice. Um, then you've got DSOs and then practice ownership, right? So mm -hmm. I think we can talk a little bit about each one and, and the pros and cons of each one and feel free to jump in if you have anything else that you wanna add too. So working in a private practice, you got steady income, right? That's a pro. Another pro, no ownership responsibility. You don't have to worry about managing the office and managing the financials and being a CEO essentially, right? right. Uh, another pro is a work-life balance. That just kind of adds into the ownership responsibilities because you show up for work your family, right? You don't have to worry about that leaving the office. Um, another con that you probably ran into in those seven years or so is you don't get to practice dentistry you want, right? I'm sure the, the dentistry that you practice in a HMO office is much different than a fee-for-service or PPO practice, right? Um, another con, earning potential is likely capped. So you are probably only going to earn what you produce. There's no additional net profit at the end of the year that you get to take home and claim that as additional income, right? Another con is no equity position in the business. So if you continue to work as an associate for your whole life, and you better hope that you're gonna save your money to the point where you can financially retire on your own. But when you own your practice, you get to sell that off and have a liquidity event, right? You get another chunk of money that you can retire on, um, whereas if you're an associate, you just don't get to do that, right? Um, DSOs, I mean, it's pretty similar here and there. There's some differences a little bit. You still got the pro work-life balance, um, you're not your own boss, so there's a lack of independence there. Um, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to get out of those contracts. I mean, there's non-compete restrictions that may be hidden within those contracts. So what I would say to that is anytime you're going to go work for a DSO, a thousand times out of a thousand, please go talk to a dental attorney and have them look it over to make sure that you're protected, right? Um, and then also some DSOs require high production requirements for that's baked into your contract, right? So those are a few pros and cons when it comes to the DSO side. Um, and then practice ownership, right? Number one pro, in my opinion, and you can speak to this too, is you get to create your own culture, right? You get to go in, it's your practice, it's your baby. You get to create that. Another one is controlling the way that you want to practice dentistry. So you can't do that working as an associate. A pro work-life balance, kind of. I mean, there's still a little bit to that. I mean, speaking to somebody with experience, you have an amazing, successful practice and a beautiful family that you still get to spend a bunch of time with. So that's not necessarily um, a bad thing when owning a practice because you still have that opportunity. Higher earning potential. You're going to make way more money owning your practice. It's not even funny. Um, some cons. Managing non-clinical business operations is, is a big one, right? I mean, a lot of people, the majority of dental schools out there don't have an extensive business course that you go through once you're um, in dental school. So you have to depend on taking courses and listening to webinars and having conversations with people to learn how that works. So that could be seen as a con. And then managing people. Uh, that's, I mean, that one's pretty self-explanatory there. Um, and then a couple other like associate misconceptions and myths that I wanted to touch on 
Um, the biggest one that I hear all the time is I just graduated. I have $350,000 student loans and I can't buy a practice or start a practice. No bank is going to give me money. And that is 1000% of a myth, right? Because especially being a dental specific lender, we understand that you have to go to dental school to get through dental school, right? So that's something that we assume is just part of the equation and part of the process. So don't think that if you come out of school with a bunch of student loans, no bank's going to give you money because we absolutely will do that, right? Um, another big one too is I just graduated. I've got a job. The first thing I should do is go buy a home and settle down in a specific location. So in my opinion, I think that you should buy or start your first practice before you buy your home. The main reason is you're, you're landlocked if you buy your home first, right? It's a lot easier to find a lease space and then buy a home nearby rather than buying a home and crossing your fingers that a lease space comes up that you can find and build and negotiate and, and build it out for your practice. Um, so that would be, that would be what I would say when someone says, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy a house first before the practice. And then another big one I hear all the time is, um, I actually have to put money down to start or buy a practice. And that is not true. If you have a lender that tells you that they want you to put money down for a startup practice, I would, I would probably run because they don't have the experience that other lenders do, including obviously us being the biggest dental lender in the country and doing startups for 25 plus years, right? And then the one I've heard lately is, and I think you and Scott talked about this yesterday, um, it's a bad time to start a practice right now and interest rates are high. And what I would say to that is, believe it or not, interest rates are still lower than pre-COVID. And when the dentist came out of COVID, we were so impressed with how these practices bounced back and how resilient dent the dental industry was that we're actually, believe it or not, lending more money right now. So that's what I would say to that is, is I would agree with what you guys talked about yesterday is I think it's a great time to start a practice. And I think, I mean, all the time is a great time considering how successful our dentists and I mean, startups specifically are. Right. Do you know what the the default rate is? The failure rate? Yeah. For startups? Yeah, good, good question. Um, it's less than 1%, I would say. So oh, it's about 99% success rate. But to, to that point, what I would say we'll talk about a little bit later is the importance of making sure that you have the right team around you. And I think, in my opinion, that that is a big reason why our practices are so successful is because we surrounded them with the right team of, re of local resources that know what they're doing. And then that just puts you in the best position to be successful, right? With, with how much construction costs are, have, have increased, like everything is, is more expensive. What would you say the typical startup loan is these days? Yeah, no, good question. Um, so right now we've obviously seen that the startup, the startup world and the construction world is getting definitely more expensive. So, um, we are, we're adjusting to the current market and are, we're hoping to get a little bit more for our startups, but generally speaking between 600 to 750,000, depending on whether you're a GP or a specialist, um, that's kind of a good range, uh, to use. Yeah, I would say. Okay, awesome. So um, you touched upon team, like making sure you're set up with the right team. Who do you recommend having in your corner when with a doc when they're just starting out? Because obviously we've never done this before. And a lot of people think that they need um, a consultant or what have you. Like, can you list who your key players would be? Yeah, no, for sure. So for a startup, probably 10 to 15 years ago, there was really only a handful of people like your contractor, your equipment specialist, your attorney, and your real estate broker, and your bank, obviously, right? 
But nowadays, when you're starting to realize that how successful doctors are and, and a lot of other people want to be involved, there's everything from your lender, your real estate broker, your dental-specific attorney, CPA, architect, equipment specialist, technology specialist, marketing companies, HR consultants, insurance agents, and I mean, that's a, a handful of them right there. So what I'll also say to that too is, is there are a lot of transactional people out there um, and you wanna make sure that the team that you end up hiring has a vested interest in your long-term success, not just your immediate success, right? And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, we're investing in our clients to make sure that they're successful through their whole career. They're continuing to grow. So making sure that you work with someone that's dental specific and you can ask them, I mean, do you have experience working with dental practices? If you're talking to your contractor, do you have examples of practices that you've done in the past that I can either see on your website or I even have contractors that take clients to practices they've built and just walk them through and kind of show them then you really get to see the hands-on quality of what they do and how they do things. And you can also talk to that doctor too, like, Hey, what was your experience working with so-and-so? So that would really be what I would say to when it comes to really building your team around you, make sure mm -hmm. those are a hand or those, those are the people that you want. Right. Yes. Uh, I want to interrupt you for a second. We have a question from Tiana. If you already have a home, should you sell it? Okay, that's a good question. So what I would say to that is wherever you're at locally, I would get a dental-specific real estate broker if you're looking to start up. I would have a conversation um, with that individual first before just going off and selling it because you could talk to a real estate broker and they could know of eight different spaces within a five-mile radius of your home. Uh, but depending on how long it takes, I, that is an option, but I would definitely say talk to, talk to your local resources for, first before uh, making a decision like that. Because that's, I mean, that's a big decision, right? Do you have, when I first started, I created my own business plan. I used like a website. Um, it was a very good plan, I, I will say. But do you have, <laughs> Do you now offer like a template for for docs or 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 is a business plan even needed these days? Right. So at Bank of America, we don't require a business plan for a startup, but we have a, a templated startup specific business plan um, that talks about what's your vision and culture, what are your demographics, potential projections for the office, resources and the type of team that you're going to need around you. Um, so we do have a template like that, and I will offer that up to anybody that's interested. Feel free to reach out to me, and I can send you that blank document for you to fill out if, if you're looking to start up your practice. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and Forrest is in this group, so I invited him to be a part of this group because he's he's just been so awesome, guys. Like, anytime I have a question, uh, obviously there's a lot of legal jargon that gets put into all of these 100 page if not more documents and you don't really know what you're signing and i i have Forrest's cell phone and he like he's available to me at all hours i mean not all hours like i have boundaries he has boundaries but um but you need someone who who is going to be in your corner because this is it's a big deal like we already have all these student loans. We're all, especially if you are the sole in like income generating, if you're the only pro income producing um, partner in your relationship, there's a lot riding on, on your startup. I, um, can you talk about that? Like it, how much of, um, do you even know what the, the demographics looks like? Like what, what do you, I'm trying to, are, because obviously there's, everywhere is saturated these days. Like why, why another startup when you can easily acquire, you can work for a DSO? Like, are you finding that, that these dentists, like, yes, they're not failing, but are they 
thriving? Are they actually producing good income and not just paying the bills? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so what I would say to that is if you're, when you start to look for a space, it's so important to put together a demographic report to see what the areas around you look like. Because for example, you have to make sure number one, that the patient to doctor ratio is good, depending on your specialty, whether you're GP, endo, ortho, pedo, whatever that may be, making sure that the numbers look good. And even on top of that, making sure that the demographics fit the type of feel that your practice is going to have, what the vision for your practice is. So I think that's a, that's a huge benefit when starting the process early is making sure that, that those two things are, are in order. Mm -hmm. Do you, what do you recommend is a, a healthy savings or a healthy working capital to always have liquid in the bank? Yeah. So what, what I tell people when you're looking to apply for a loan, we want to see about seven to 10% of the overall loan request. So if you're starting a practice from scratch and you're borrowing, let's just say $650,000, we want to see about seven, 10% of that in the bank. And what that means is liquid. So non-retirement and we don't want you to put money down, right? We, we just want to see that as a nest egg, um, kind of like a rainy day fund in the event you do have a low month and you need to cover some overhead and expenses. Um, so I would say, yeah, that, that seven, 10, seven to 10% is usually what we look for when our doctors are, are buying, um, for a new loan request. Do you, what do the banks look at in an associate to qualify for a startup loan? Because there have been, yeah. I think I tagged you in some of the posts in this group where, you know, they, they've run into barriers. Um, banks are not approving but you're are you seeing something different at b of a yeah i mean our approval rate is very high for startups so what i would say is when you are looking to start up a practice from scratch first like i mentioned earlier i tell people it's the it's the easiest loan that you're going to get so there's a few metrics that we look at number one is how long have you been working as an associate we just need one year of an experience of experience um income wise I mean, depending on where you're at, we want to see about $120,000 to $150,000 working as an associate. Um, and then in addition to that, the, the 7 to 10% savings rule, the more you have, the better, obviously. And then the biggest one that I see is the personal debts, right? So this is what I call the Tesla rule, right? So you come out of school and you say, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm working as an associate. I'm making over $100,000. I'm going to go out and buy or lease an expensive car where my monthly payment is going to be $1,200 a month, or I'm going to go out and buy the multi-million dollar home before I own the practice and my mortgage payment is going to be $8,000 a month, right? So keeping your personal expenses low is, is probably the number one thing that I would say outside of saving money, having that liquidity is keep, keep your, keep your monthly payments low, whether that's your student loan payments, your car payments, your mortgage and your rent, rent, don't rack up your credit card debt because the credit card, if you have outstanding credit card debt and balances on those credit cards, we count that against your savings, right? So that's what I would say when you're, if you're looking to start up a practice from scratch, associate work history, a year, earnings, 120 to 150, personal debts, keep those as low as you can. And then that seven and ten percent rule um, for savings in the bank. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you go over your different lending options? Um, I mean, when I first started, so I, I don't know how rare this is, or if this is even rare, but how many startups are actually purchasing their locations versus leasing um, and understanding the terms of the loans because it can get 
it can get really confusing very fast, like balloon payments versus points and all of that. Can you break it down as if we know nothing about banking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, if you're uh, an associate looking to buy a building or a condo or whatever that may be for your first practice, um, are we talking about in the Bay Area or are we talking about uh, in like Oklahoma? Because it's a lot of way different considering the prices out here. Right. Uh, but what I would say, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to buy the building first. Um, you definitely have to have higher income. You have to have a lot of cash in the bank because typically most banks, if you're starting a practice from scratch for the first time, um, they require 10% down of the entire loan request. Meaning, for example, you're buying a million dollar condo and the practice loan um, for the construction equipment working capital is $600,000. That means you're gonna have to have $160,000 to put down and then have to have the liquidity requirement of the seven to 10% post injection. So startup wise, depending <laughs> to my point, depending on the area, some areas, it's easier to qualify because the purchase prices are a lot less. Um, but that's the rule of thumb when it comes to buying your condo and or building um, for first time practice owners. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes. Cool. And then I think we should, we should probably talk a little bit about the benefits of owning a practice, right? Totally. So I would say, and I think you could probably speak to this a little bit better than I can, but being able to structure your day versus just having a structured day. How, how would you, if I were to put the question back on you, what did you prefer? Did you prefer walking into the office as an associate and just being told how many patients you're seeing a day and what times or do you like being able to come in and say, here's what we're doing throughout the day and actually be able to structure it yourself? Uh, definitely the latter. Okay. It was kind of a loaded question, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another big thing too is, is really building a legacy, right? And having that community impact, being able to pass the practice that you've built and you have been working in for 40 plus years, don't you want to be able to hand that off to somebody and also being able to make an impact in the community by getting to see, even seeing patients out in public. It's cool, right? Hey, there's, there's my doctor. Hey, doctor, how are you? Um, controlling the industry. That's, that's, a big, that's a hot topic right now. What I'd say is just don't let these DSOs reap the benefits of having you work an associate because Bank of America Practice Solutions has been dedicated to the preservation of private practice since we've begun. We do not lend to DSOs. We are dentist specific and private practice owner specific. So yes, you may go work for DSO, you may go work for a private practice, um, but definitely learn just kind of what you want for yourself as you're continuing to learn and get your hand speed up. And then once you're ready, make sure that whatever you're doing, whether you're buying or starting up, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time in your career, for sure. And then I touched on it earlier, the equity position. I mean, I can't tell you how many doctors I've talked to that they are worried about retirement, right? It's like, well, I started late. I wasn't able to save money. And I'm kind of depending on, the, I'm depending on the sale of my practice for retirement. So being able to own your practice and starting earlier gives you more time to build up your nest egg and not have to worry about depending on the sale of your practice for, uh, for retirement, right? And then another thing too I would advise to all associates out there, and Ashley, I'm sure you have many of these as I have a few of them too, is get yourself a mentor, right? Somebody that's done it before, not just the resources and the companies that are going to help you out through the whole process. I mean, talk to a doctor that you're friends with that started up a practice. Call up Ashley. I mean, she's done it once and she's about to do it again. Ask her the pros and cons. Ask her, what should I be prepared for? These are all things that, in my opinion, are benefits and things that should be done when starting your own practice. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and like use this community. Make yeah. sure to ask questions in the group. There are ways to post anonymously. So I know a lot of you guys are 
are scared that your current owner boss is going to figure out that you're doing a startup. So um, post it anonymously, make sure to really use all these different companies and services and people in this group to help guide your decisions. Um, do you want to talk about the first time practice owner profile? Yeah, so that was what we talked about a little bit earlier with just the certain things to look for when you're qualifying. So okay. just, yeah, just to recap on those ones, it was the, the working as an associate um, for at least okay. a year, having the experience, the income, um, the personal debts, keeping those low, and then additionally, the 10%. Um, so what if we talked a little bit about the pros and cons? starting up a practice. I mean, I'm sure you've got plenty on both sides. <laughs> yeah, totally. We can, um, well, before we start with that, I just wanted to say, um, if you are already starting or like researching your demographics and looking at um, banks, can we address whether, like, why would they go with uh, a bigger bank like Bank of America versus a um, a local community bank that can offer more uh, uh, more favorable terms. Do you want to go over that? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so I think, I mean, a lot of people get caught up in the, oh, what's your interest rate? What's your interest rate? To be honest with you, interest rate is almost one of the less important things, in my opinion, because there's so many other things within the loan that <clears throat> are important, right? It's the cost of the full relationship with the bank. So what I mean by that, it's obviously important to get a good interest rate, um, but a, a prime example, believe it or not, on a $500,000 loan on a 10-year term, 25 basis points, what that means is 0.25%, um, the difference there is only $60. So what I mean by that is when your interest rate's a little bit like 0.25% less on a $500,000 loan over a 10-year term, it's only 60 bucks. There's so many other things that are included from Bank of America Practice Solutions, or just Bank of America in general, where, I mean, we're one of the biggest banks in the country, right? So to the, the point I'm making is there's so many different things outside of just the loan that are important to make sure that you have within your practice, whether that's <clears throat> merchant services, payroll savings, credit card cashbacks, like the cashback credit cards we have with Bank of America are insane. The amount of money that you can get back just by running your operating expenses through your credit card and paying it off every month, you're gonna make so much money back that's going to essentially lower your interest rate. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine sometimes some of the numbers I've seen. Business checking accounts are also really important. Insurance requirements, different banks have different requirements for insurance. And if, I mean, you could think some some insurance carrier or some insurance policies are hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks a month, which, as you can imagine, really just raises the interest rate at the end of the day, and you don't see that because you have your interest rate written on your approval letter. So what I would say is, every anytime you're talking to a lender, whether it's us or one of our friendly competitors, make sure they show you everything, because especially when you're starting up a practice from scratch, you're getting more than just a loan right? Because you have to set up all of the business banking. Like we have the number one small business banking platform in the country. And in my opinion, that's so important to starting up a practice from scratch, making sure it's all encompassing within the practice. Thank you, Forrest. And okay, now we can go over the, thank you. If I, I wanted to ask before I lost my train of thought. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's, let's talk about pros and cons then. Yes, I've got a few and then I'll let you uh, jump in and add. So the pros, for me, I think these, this first one is, is kind of my favorite part about starting up a practice from scratch is you get to build your own practice the way you want. You get to design it the way you want. You get to add the new equipment and technology that you want. You get to choose your location. You may want to be in a medical building or you may want to be on a street corner you may want to be in a strip mall like you get to decide right and hiring and training you get to hire your staff the way that you like you get to build the culture the way that you like it's your baby right 
So I would say those are probably the biggest pros that I would say. Um, did we lose you? We got a blue screen there. I'll jump into the cons here. Um, so a couple cons, finding a space can definitely take time. Um, depending on where you're located in the country, I mean, I've got doctors, oh, we got you back. <laughs> um, I've got doctors that it's, I mean, they've been looking for a practice for anywhere from six months to two years, right? Depending on where you're looking, sometimes the inventory can be a challenge. Um, so that's where having somebody dental specific as a real estate broker is important, right? Cause they know the requirements, they know the parking requirements, they know, um, is it zoned for medical? That's a huge one too. So finding a space can definitely be a con just because of how long that can take, depending on where you're located. Um, construction, they, I think you could probably speak to that depending on where you're at. I mean, construction costs are through the roof. We've never seen anything like this before. Um, so definitely construction costs. And then on top of that too, right now, equipment. I mean, it's taking a long time to get equipment ordered and delivered. I mean, I've got startups right now, believe it or not, that are just about to sign their lease and they're going to have to order their equipment here pretty soon because that's how long it's going to take. And that has nothing to do with the equipment specialists, like when they're having these conversations with their clients, they're not just trying to sell you. They're just, they're being honest with you that we need to start this process now. So we're in a different world right now where things are just taking a little bit longer. Not saying it's not doable. I've got plenty of people starting up practices from scratch, but that that's another thing that could be definitely considered a con. Um, beginning without patience, right? It's kind of scary. You just brought on over $600,000 of debt and you don't have any patience. So what I would say is when you're starting up the practice and you're going through construction, make sure you have all your ducks in a row from a marketing standpoint, you've got everything ready to go. You're starting to be out in the community before your practices have been open to start kind of sharing with the community who you are and what you're doing. Um, growing pains with staff is definitely another one. I mean, not everybody gets along. So sometimes I've seen issues with, with, uh, with staff too, believe it or not. How about yourself? I, um, I cut out for a good chunk of that and it's because I was making fun of, uh, the internet situation and <laughs> that is what happens when you make fun of your internet. Uh, so I, I have to rewatch what you said, but um, agreed wholeheartedly. Everything <laughs> sounded so good. <laughs> um, we have a we have a quiet bunch. Everyone's kind of shy, so if um, there aren't any questions right now, but if you guys come up with any questions, I mean, Boris is in this group. Make sure to tag him. If you're posting anonymously, just tag him, and um, that'll that'll bring attention to your post. He really is, he's such a great guy and um, and I'm happy that you're my guy. So um, thank you for financing my my next location. And and I will, I, I can attest to all of the delays. So they have to move a an electrical panel in my space. And apparently they, they, ordered a transformer I don't even know what that is like months ago and it is still on back order is I yeah it's it's wild to me and I um I signed my chairs my my equip for the equipment when did I sign that like last no like last year uh, I feel. yeah like the end of last it's been a long time yeah yeah um, well, everything is, is delayed. I had thought that I would be open by, well, initially I thought I'd be open by this um, fall and then it became hopefully by the end of this year, but I'm not even holding my breath anymore. It's, it's crazy. I, it's. <clears throat> Definitely. I think we've got another question too in here. Oh, is there? Yeah. Um, do you refinance established loans? Oh yeah. Big time. 
So with rates being where they're at right now, I mean, they're still good. So if you've got a high interest loan or if you've got a handful of loans that are out there from equipment from four or five different lenders from different equipment companies, we can consolidate that and definitely get you, it's gonna improve your cash flow, lower your interest rate. Um, but to answer your question, absolutely, we do it all the time. Great question. Yeah. Um, I Do you have anything else you wanna talk about, Forrest? I think you hit on all the... Yeah, I think we covered the majority of it. I mean, I've got a couple um, couple takeaways and, and some action plans for anybody that's that's interested. Oh, yeah. I can share. Let's do it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Let's do so it. The number number one was the business plan template. Um, so I have a startup business plan template. So if you do want that, uh, like, like Ashley said, I'm in the Facebook group. Feel free to message me. You can add me. And I think, Ashley, you shared my information with the group as well, right? Yes, yes. And I'll, I'll share it again. Colin, if you're, if you're watching, can you share Forrest's information? <laughs> um, so that was the first thing. And then there's another report that Bank of America just came out with. It's called the 2022 Small Business Owners Report. Um, so what it is, it's basically a business and economic outlook economic concerns, inflation, supply chain, and pandemic impacts, businesses, how they recovered. So it's a it's a pretty cool document um, and, and very informative. So I've got that too, um, if anybody would like to see that. So feel free to reach out to me on that, or, and I can send you both of those items. And also too, if you don't know your local Bank of America representative, feel free to reach out to me, I can connect you. And if you know who they are, just call them. They'll take your call. They will help you. That's what we're here for. We're here to make sure that you're successful with your practice. And it all starts with, can I get the money? Where am I going to be? And who is going to be on my team? So um, anything else uh, on your end, Ashley? I've got one more closing comment. But yes, I, I just realized that I can put questions on our feed. Look how, see? I'm like only four Facebook lives into this and I'm already finding some tidbits. How are you guiding people? Yeah, as we're staring into what people are afraid will be a big recession. Excellent question. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so what I would say to that is, I mean, you could look at our portfolio, as I said before, our doctors are successful. I mean, no matter what. I mean, 2008, we got through that. Our clients were successful. So what I would say is make make sure as long as you have everybody around you that knows what they're doing and you have um, keep going back to that team aspect, right? Making sure that you have the right team around you to help get you through it and make sure that you're in a position to be successful. Um, that's what I would advise, just making sure that, 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 that you have that as part of your plan. Um, but I mean, I've, I am seeing people start up practices like crazy and I'm in the Bay Area where it's not cheap to do anything. So that just speaks to the rest of the country. Like you can do it. Just make sure you're, you're doing the right things. You're talking to the right people and you'll be successful. Great question. And we have another one. Look at when do this. Some yeah, this is a very good question. Uh, oh, this is like snazzy now. Look at this. <laughs> Look at that. The more you do, the more you learn about uh, the Facebook Live. Um, so we see, we see our doctors start to turn a profit on average in about month 12 to 18 after opening their doors. Month 12. Do you guys hear that? Month 12 to month 18. I want everyone to, to really, that is the average. So when you're hearing that all these people are opening and they are killing it and doing 150,000 their first week open, like it can get you into a downward spiral very fast. That is not the norm. Like the norm isn't 300 new patients in, the, in a month. Maybe it is where you're at. I don't know. Maybe you're a magician. I don't know. That's not... That's certainly not what we had. We have, I, I don't want any more than 50 new patients a month, but I have a very different practice model. If I wanted a high volume, like P 
PPO, let's, let's get you in super fast. Let's do a lot of bread and butter services. Then yeah, that there are so many ways to profitability. So I, I really can't emphasize that enough. I love that you said 12 to 18 months because the first year, what, what's a good first year that, or what's a good average that you're seeing like 400,000? Is that yeah, I would for a say startup? it's a good number. Yeah, definitely. And then they said, um, would you elaborate what you mean by turning profit by month 12 to 18? Yeah, <clears throat> so what that means basically is you are, you have net income and you actually are more profitable. So um, you're not essentially underwater and you're starting to produce and you're starting to generate income. Um, and it's going to be a good, a good question. You can talk to, if you have a, a local CPA to general specific CPA, they can kind of walk you through that as well. Cause there's a lot of ins and outs to the way that you structure from a tax return standpoint. And when you're looking through expenses and everything like that. So, um, I hope that answers that. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of us, we are very, I mean, we're technicians, we work in the mouths, but we also, a lot of us are not very savvy when it comes to our uh, finances or knowing what even a profit and loss looks like. In the beginning, because I was trying to be so like lean and trying to be cognizant of my overhead costs, I, I wanted to do my own bookkeeping. And if you've met me, guys, <laughs> I don't know anything about bookkeeping. Like, I am so, that is one thing that I'm not, I mean, there are a lot of things I'm not good at, but especially bookkeeping, that is so not in my nature. So, like, the things that you are, you know you don't like to do, you know you're not good at, but you think you have to because you're a startup, those are absolutely the things that you should be delegating right off the bat. Like, as soon as I realize that, like, hey, no, I, I should actually pay for someone to do this for me. It takes a load off your plate and it's not a, it's not a sunk cost. It's you, you will reap a return on your investment. So, cause now it's freeing you up to, if you are good at branding, if you're good at marketing, if you're good at putting your face in front of the camera and actually drawing people to come to your startup, that is what is going to pay your bills. So um, don't, don't try to shrink yourself into profitability. Um, yeah, that's my uh, soap stand. Um, <laughs> any, other, any other questions from the audience? Well, um, I just wanted to thank you, Forrest. We are, I want to be respectful of your time. And, and look at this, 458 super right on time um you're a part of this group and uh tag him forrest wiederman and where else can people find and connect with you forrest yeah um i would say i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook um you've i think shared my personal cell as well with the group so feel free <laughs> i mean reach out to me and i'd be happy to help any way i can Oh, awesome. Thank you. And we have, okay, one more question. And does B of A give out SBA loans? We do. Yeah, we have a great SBA product. So we, we definitely do. Okay. All right. And connect with Forrest. And if you're interested in that business plan template, please reach out to him. And, um, that is it. I hope you have a fabulous 4th of July. And um, any any last um, closing thoughts for us before we head on out into this long weekend? Yeah. Um, so my mentor, outside of my mom and dad, my biggest mentor is my boss, Jason Tyson. And one of the first times I heard him speak, um, he left me with something that I use from time to time. And there's three things you can do with your time. You can either waste your time, you can spend your time, and you can invest your time. So I really hope to everybody on here that this last hour was an investment of your time. Um, and like I mentioned, reach out to me if you have any questions and 
more importantly, thank you, Ashley, for having me and just being so amazing over the last year or two that we've known each other. Oh, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I, I'm excited um, for you guys to, to get to know Forrest. Uh, he really is a stand-up guy and he really is looking out for just helping you. In, and you don't have to just be in California. If, you're, um, if you have any financing questions, just don't be shy. Um, he's, he will be here to help you out. So um, thank you so much for your time, Forrest. And thank you guys for watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to miss that one. Um, so, but if buying a building is involved, you need 10% down. So we do have a, we do have a conventional hundred percent product. Uh, but if it is your first time practice, like Ashley did, uh, for her first practice where you're doing a startup from scratch and you don't have an existing, the 10% is a rule. But if you have, if you're an established doctor, um, we've got very favorable terms up to hundred percent financing conventionally for that. Nice. Very cool. I did not know that. Did I know that? Um, you did know that. Oh, <laughs> uh, <well. laughs> Yes. Because you, yeah. You it's all of blue. <laughs> all of blue. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Forrest. And thank you guys for watching. Have, <laughs> Have an amazing day. Bye. Thank you. Bye, guys.